0: but what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and today I have back on the show, Ben Hale from Easy Living Yards. And the thing is, is that every year when fall quickly approaches Deborah, who is my project manager here in the office, she and I mourn garden season this time of year. We always talk about how pitiful our gardens are and how sad we are because it's all coming to a close, right? I mean, everything that we've done in the spring to fluff and love on our gardens and make them beautiful and they have beautiful flowers and they're fresh and vibrant. It doesn't really look like that anymore. But the reality is we have to honor nature and her natural rhythms. And we have to really understand and learn how to bring forth the understanding that everything has to come to a close. It has to. Wah wah, so sad, boo hoo. It's hard to embrace that in our system, our culture of being on and being creative and being beautiful and being perfect all the time, right? (laughs) All right, so, real quick, to lighten the mood, just for a brief moment, I'm going to bust out some housekeeping. It's the American way, right? Deflect from the real problem. Alrighty, in three weeks, Home Energy Design celebrates its 100th episode. I'm super excited about this. The show is actually older than that, but when we change the name to Home Energy Design, Home Energy Design will be celebrating its 100th episode. So, That's exciting. So to celebrate, I'm having Ruby Warrington back on the show. Had her, I believe, on in late 2017, I think is when she came on, to talk about her book, uh, Material Girl, Mystical World. But this show is going to be entirely different. It's actually quite taboo, if I do say so myself. What are we going to be talking about? Uh, Our addiction to work in social media, and how this taboo topic needs a major paradigm shift. Uh, She sent out an open letter earlier this summer talking about how she was shutting it all down. She has built this amazing online empire called the Numinous, um, and she's had all these amazing opportunities, you know, open up for her because of the Numinous, but The problem is is that it has created a lifestyle for her that was on all the time and it was a take, 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 Type thing, and she just felt like she was constantly giving and really not getting anything in return. And so, I think that is the biggest problem with social media is that you know everything looks so beautiful and perfect and amazing, and everybody's making a gazillion dollars. And in reality, behind the scenes, there's a lot that goes on that makes all this free stuff happen. You know, I've talked about it here on this show. This podcast alone is a full time job, the YouTube channel is a full-time job. There's a lot that goes into all this content. And so I think that what needs to happen is our consumption habits. We've just gotten so accustomed to, you know, things being free all the time and, and this give, give, give and wanting. And the biggest problem is, is that there's a huge rise of women entrepreneurs that are starting to uh, start their own businesses. And what is it that women love to do? We love to give. We love to share. We love to help. And the problem is, is that depletes our tanks. It really screws up our personal chi and creates an imbalance. So that is what we will be talking about. And what's interesting is that a lot of people uh, have been coming out with these open letters about social media. She is not the only one that I received over the summer. So I think the combination of eclipse season and the retrogrades and everything that's just been going on energetically, I think a lot of people are starting to uh, wake up to the reality of where you know just where we wanna spend our time and what we wanna be doing. Um, and if it's beneficial to us rather than beneficial to everyone else so to celebrate this topic and her being back on the show she's going to be giving away a free signed copy of her book material girl mystical world and it's the first time it's going to be out Uh, it actually was released a couple of days ago um, her new paperback and she was able to Uh, add some things. I think she said she was able to uh, add a new introduction or a conclusion or maybe both. So all you need to do is go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show, previous shows. I want to hear from you. I want to know. Um, you know, what you think of this topic. We love to hear from you. And the winner will be announced on October 11th. We will uh, contact Ruby and she'll send that out directly to you. How cool is that? I love that. All right. So today's show is all about the love and adoration we give to our outdoor spaces. And if you've listened to this show, you've heard me go on and on about cultivating your chi, I always want you to start with your own chi, but your outdoor spaces are key in fluffing your chi in a positive way. It's essentially a, a two-way street, right? It's, it's one of the main things. Uh, if you go back and listen to my 13 ways to cultivate chi, it's on YouTube and also on this podcast, I talk about the importance of nature. But what happens if you're disappointed about your outdoor space? Maybe you kind of look at it and you're like, eh, what if you get feelings of sadness because it's cold and everything is dead and brown and seems lifeless? Well, today, Ben and I discuss what that means in the land of energy and why you do not want to talk about or feel that way and how to overcome that outdoor garden blues, right? Like when you're looking at your space and it's like, 20 degrees outside and you're feeling sad what do you do and how do you maybe revive that space in a new way look at it in a different way and just a note of warning (laughs) ben and i really really go there in this show aka everything deserves love and adoration and so I like to talk about all kinds of weird things. And today I even go into talking about rocks and how rocks have consciousness too, and how at one point or another, we've actually incarnated as rocks. May not on this planet. I mean, it might've been somewhere else, but, you know, I think that we underestimate the existence of all things and how all things are chi, all things are energy. So everything deserves that love everything deserves uh our love and adoration so that includes rocks that includes the dirt insects uh fountain features whatever it is that you have in your space everything deserves equal equal love equal chi so we're going to talk about that and hey we are going to get weird are you ready hell yeah let's Do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm super excited today. I have back on the show gardening expert Ben Hale. Hey, Ben.
1: Hey Amanda, it's so great to be back, and I'm—I I'm, think you called me a guru last time, so now I'll, I'll be an expert this time.
0: Oh, I degraded <laughs> you! Oh no. no. I don't
1: know. Depends <laughs> upon the perspective, right? So.
0: Yes, it's all about <laughs> attitude. The difference between a a journey and an ordeal is attitude. So today, what I—the reason that I wanted to have Ben back on the show is—is is every September. Uh, I tend to do some type of a gardening show where I focus on uh, feng shui and gardening and feng shui and energy of our outdoor spaces. And um, actually, I'm just being lazy, and I'm going to have Ben do all the work today. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I really wanted to uh, talk about this idea, Deborah, who's here in the office. Uh, we always talk about our love. The love affair that we have with our gardens, you know, come spring, oh my God, we're like, you know, we're so jolly and we're making 40 trips to the nursery and we just we can't buy enough plants. I think we have a problem actually. I think we're addicts, which is funny because we always say that we're never addicted to anything. I think I just discovered what we are addicted to, but so much love and admiration goes into it and. We put a lot of time and effort into it. We're constantly tweaking and fluffing and beautifying our gardens. And then September hits. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, everything starts to look really sad and our plants are looking a little droopy. They don't look as fresh and fluffy as they did. So Ben, what are some of your suggestions? I want to know how we should mindfully um, I don't want people going out to their gardens and ripping shit up, basically. I <laughs> want to know how we can mindfully um, start taking our gardens down and just some things that we can do to make it not such a, a morning of sorts.
1: Sure. Yeah, there's a lot you can do from how you plan your garden initially, as well as how you tend to your garden in the fall. And so you, you talked about ripping out plants. And one thing you can do is just a change in perspective. That's where I like to start first is a lot of times we want to rip out all that dead stuff, but there's a lot of value actually in keeping that dead stuff there. Um, from a visual standpoint, if we start to, you know, brown isn't as exciting as green and pink and red and purple, right? But even the brown stuff, it provides an awesome structural interest to the garden and a lot of grasses that we rip out in the fall if you leave it over the winter they provide this beautiful movement through the winter as well and so first i encourage us maybe to think about can we leave it there a little bit longer can we leave it there till late winter at least and it provides more interest than just flat right flat earth and it also provides a ton of value from a habitat standpoint, which is really cool. So if we're talking about bringing interest into the garden, if you're staring out your window, uh, seeing a goldfinch land on one of your flowers to eat the seeds can be really exciting, and and st- something we're already experiencing here in September. Uh, on we have some echinacea plants out front. It's a purple cone flower, and they love those little seeds on that cone head, and so they come and land on the little. Flower stem. It's surprising that they can support themselves, and they sit there and nibble on the seeds. And it's really exciting. It so it brings some of that, where you you don't have your bright flower anymore. You have this beautiful structural plant that has this bold seed head on it, and then you also bring in more exciting stuff uh, with some birds that you attract during the winter or fall as well. So that's one perspective, um, and 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 then the visual piece too, or the the movement piece, like I talked about with grasses grasses provide this awesome benefit in your garden as well because they get these beiges and some sometimes even like a redder or a crimson color and so they still have a little bit of more subtle but still there's a color there but plus they have this awesome texture element that when the wind comes along it kind of dances in the wind as well. So there's there's a lot of more subtle things you can do but uh, things that you can kind of (laughs) <laughs> if you hold on to some of that stuff that you want to rip out of your garden, you can still enjoy those other nuanced pieces to it as well.
0: And it, I'm curious, is there some benefit, you know, in my early years when I first got into gardening is, you know, I, wouldn't be quite as mindful. And I would start trimming those grasses back or, or I hate the word ripping out, but ripping (laughs) out and without realizing that they weren't annuals. So aren't some of them, would it be, you know, beneficial to leave them alone? Because does it act as a a kind of compost or a way to provide uh, fruit, so to speak, for the, the springtime for the new plant that comes in?
1: Oh, certainly. Yes. So if you're talking perennials, if you disturb the roots, you can really perennials are plants that come back year after year. And if you disturb the roots, um, they, it can kill the plant. And and the thing we don't realize is a lot of times those plants, even though they look dead on top, they're still alive and thriving underneath. So basically what happens is they pump all their plant juices and all their energy back to their roots and then their roots survive and actually grow over the winter, which is really cool. As long as the ground's not frozen, your, your roots are still growing underground and developing and getting ready for spring when they shoot that burst of energy back to the surface.
0: Which I think is such a great reminder uh, for us personally. I've said this before on the show, and Ben and I were talking about this at the top of the show, is that you know, we tend to, uh, in our system, our culture, we're we're conditioned to think that we have to be on and pretty and, uh, you know, on our best game all the time. And it's like trying to drive your Ferrari, like we have one, but trying to drive your Ferrari at 100 miles an hour all the time without care and maintenance and refueling. And I think that nature is a great way to remind us that you know, we have to honor our seasons. We have to have a downtime. We have to have a regrouping time. And I think that, um, that hibernation period is such a great reminder for us to go inward, to do the inner work, uh, to kind of hibernate in a sense to, you know, be able to bring all of our own juices to the center, to the core, And kind of marinate so that we too are ready for spring for all those new creative ideas. So I think there's a lot of parallels in what our own gardens can teach us.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's definitely like, you know, the the rise and fall of energy cycles through uh, the plant world is is really interesting to me. And it's something I didn't always appreciate, but now I'm growing to appreciate it much more. And that that apparent death in the fall Uh, let's call it for what it is it it looks like death right all the annuals that's what happens but it's also this giant recharging of the system and and that in itself can be really beautiful too and so it's learning how to admire and embrace certain parts of it from a mindset standpoint as well as cultivate some of the 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 physical beauty of some of it as well and so there's you know if we work to make it more attractive in the so-called off season, where the whole garden system is recharging, right? Your plants are, your seeds are waiting to to sprout up in the new s- spring, as well as your perennials are recharging at the root base, or your deciduous trees are recharging as well. Uh, during that time, how can we make that more appealing and more beautiful to us as well? So there's kind of both factors there.
0: And is there anything that we should be doing to, you know, you were talking about how the roots are. You know, really actively working and doing stuff that we can't see. Is there anything that we should be doing on the surface to help that or um, cultivate that in any way, or should we leave it alone?
1: Oh, uh, well, yes, and yes <laughs> is the quick answer. <laughs> um, we can always enhance it. And you kind of talked about that with um, if we chop stuff off at the top, can we just drop it down and does that help, right? And I didn't really answer that question. And, and so the answer is yes, that can help. So essentially what we can do is just support the soil life. I kind of talked about this in our last time we chatted was that it's so amazing how much life goes on underneath our feet and and that soil life supports the whole plant world which in turn supports the whole animal world which is amazing <laughs> so we can't have uh life without soil life is is what i'm getting at <laughs> um not to make it, you know not to minimize it or anything but um <laughs> uh, so what we can do is really cultivate the health of our plants by also cultivating the soil so this is a perfect time of year in the fall or early winter when the ground's not totally frozen yet. is a great time to add some really basic amendments. And so I prefer to use uh, organic amendments. So that's not necessarily USDA certified organic, but just naturally based amendments are really beneficial to the soil health and also to plant health as well. And so it's usually their slow release type um, uh, amendments. So one, the quickest and easiest one is compost. Good, healthy compost that smells like like earthy forest floor. If you take a handful of it and smell it, which sounds kind of gross, but it's no,
0: it's best, amazing. <laughs>
1: it's the best way to tell if you have good compost. Um, and so if it smells wonderful, uh, it smells like it reminds me you of some wonderful walk through the forest. Then that's beautiful, healthy stuff to put over your plants. And you can just put a thin layer of that stuff. Really helps with. Um, helping your soil just kind of relax, recharge, and and start, you know, getting back to feeding your plants again. And likewise and I'm just- assuming
0: amendment you're talking about fertilizer.
1: Uh, so amendments, I, I mean anything that you put on your, your surface. So it anything could be compost. Surface, okay. Yeah, it could be compost. Some people like to get a little bit more techy with it using things like rock phosphate, um, which is generally a good uh, mineral base to add to your soil um, in very light amounts. Um, uh, using things like people even use uh, other things like, I know you tend to prefer a vegetarian lifestyle, but people do use um, things like a, a dehydrated blood meal um, or bone meal. Um, usually I just default to compost it's the easiest it's the simplest and it's usually pretty widely available so you can check with your um, municipality a lot of municipalities just give it away by the truckload for free Um, and so it's worth checking there first and then there's a lot of places like um, around us we have Whole Foods that sells a wonderful brand called Organic Mechanics um, it's, it's in the Northeast region is, is their partnership with organic mechanics, but there's other, um, I'm, I'm guessing that whole foods across the country, partners with various, um, suppliers of good, healthy compost as well. And so compost is great. Wood chip mulch is great as well. Uh, generally, I prefer to go with the non-dyed wood chip mulch because uh, generally those are from more natural sources. So people's tree trimmings and that sort of thing. And again, you can a lot of times get that for free from if you have like a local township or municipality, uh, a lot of times you can get that stuff for free. And that stuff, uh, again, wood chips, the, the wonderful thing about that is it, it, it's kind of a slow breakdown over time where it serves as a, a blanket across your soil. So it preserves the, I guess, or helps keep it heat uh, stable. And then as well, it breaks down over time. So you, you're you feeding your, your soil again over time and your plants.
0: Yeah, I find them to be uh, pretty good insulators. So if you do live in an area that gets frost or very cold, um, you know, come spring, you'll move around some of that uh, whether it's wood chips or compost or anything that's on top and like there's stuff going on underneath there. You're like, wow, there's like an entire ecosystem down here. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. That's why I love mulch. Yeah. So it's it's a blanket and it it makes a little party underneath the soil for longer periods of the year. Yeah, for sure.
0: So not everybody that's listening to this has a, you know, half acre. Is that, isn't that that what you guys have? Quarter <laughs> I, acre, I half do. acre? Yes, we have a half acre. <laughs> that's correct. Um, so, you know, for those that are, uh, maybe living, uh, like I have a a small patio, a little tiny patio. And one of the things that I find challenging is, you know, um, in the winter time is just trying to keep everything that I do have that is a perennial alive because, you know, I've got to wrap everything up and keep it warm, like wrap everything up in sheets and stuff. But depending on, you know, what it is that we have in our garden, how do we, protect them to the best of our ability from frost and those really chilly nights when it drops below, what is the, the standard, like 30 degrees, I think is what it is here in Nashville. Um, and, and how do we work around that depending on what kind of uh, property we have? Because things that are in the ground are going to need uh, different treatments than, say, somebody who lives in an apartment who has a balcony.
1: Right, right. And so it depends on what you have. Um, If you have like, say, a a more wind exposed space versus uh, not, or if you have a more frost prone space as well. So a shallow depression, um, for example, where kind of cold air sinks down into, um, you could get more frost uh, in those times or in those spaces compared to maybe somebody that's just barely up the hill from you. Um, So depending upon what you have kind of dictates that of course. And also whether you have something potted or in the ground. So if you have something potted, uh, exactly what you're talking about, making sure things are protected. Um, especially if it's like a really early frost where you still have, uh, leaves or things going on on the tree, uh, or shrub or plant, whatever it is. And it's not quite ready. It doesn't look like it's slowing down yet. Uh, just covering it. It's work. It's, It's things you have to do, but, um, that's usually just the quickest and easiest way to deal with that. And then also, it, it depends on uh, what plant you have. But if you have something that really, you're kind of stretching the limits of where it could grow. Um, so I'm thinking around here in, uh, I'm in the southeastern or southwestern Ohio area around Cincinnati. And this is just barely the range where you can grow figs. But a lot of the, uh, <laughs> a lot of the people around me that really love figs try and grow them here. And so it's really pushing the limits of it. And in those times where we get like super cold, uh, right in the middle of winter, a lot of people will put hay bales around them to protect them uh, and to protect that, that tree so it doesn't completely die back or it doesn't kill the roots. If it's something where your ground, you're afraid your ground is gonna get too cold, uh, that's where mulch again comes out as a, really an all-star is it, it helps protect that ground from freezing as deeply. If you're thinking about a plant that is kind of stretching the limits of where it should be and you're tra- trying to think of where to locate it, a lot of times on a south facing part of your uh, house, if you have ground to work with, um, usually is pretty much warmer because the sun's shining on that that uh, surface of your house all winter, and so it's heating the ground right there as well so i don 't know if that is that kind of answering your questions as far as i have kind of jumped all over the place with a lot of different
0: <laughs> well, I think that the the main goal is that you know I know that i 've got several women that watch this or listen to this show and they don 't um, you know have a half acre, many of them live on small parcels of land where they 've got a small patio or even as small as a balcony, but that doesn 't mean that they don 't want to garden some of them are are avid gar- gardeners and Um, you know, I want to make sure that we're touching on all of them so that everybody feels like, okay, I can do that. Or those are some things that I can do. Um, because I think that one of the key things which we've been talking about with gardening is just this idea of, um, you know, I talk about on the show all the time how important it is to cultivate our Chi. And one of the best ways to do that is to get into nature and to really connect with nature and and her spirits. And, you know, you're, you're talking all about like the ecosystems that we can actually (laughs) see. And I'm talking about the ecosystems that we can't see, like the tree spirits and (laughs) the gnomes and elves and all the things that are out there. And so, you know, my heart skipped a beat when you were talking about the the people who uh, wrapped their fig trees with hay. I mean, that is true love and adver- admiration, <laughs> admiration. You know, clearly it's it's selfish because they want figs. However, you know, it's a two-way street. It's it's care and love that they're giving to that fig tree to make sure it's safe and protected and uh, doesn't freeze. Um, and that's something that I think is key too, is, is the care that you give to it. I, I've done these experiments before where I will, um, in fact, I think I even did a YouTube video about this where I had a client, um, uh, do an experiment with, uh, a bonsai, a, a piece of bamboo but it was like a miniature one like and I don't know if they're called bonsais when they're bamboo but she gave one to her coworker and she had one and I told her I want you to talk to your bamboo every single day I want you to love on it care for it well she did that for 6 weeks and I have a photo of it hers was twice as big and twice as full of leaves than the, the one who did nothing to it
1: that's amazing
0: right? Like you can't deny that there's something to that love and care. And so I think what's really important when we're really looking at this from a cheese per- perspective is, you know, even though the garden may not, uh, in our perspective, in our, our culture, the way we're, we're we're taught that things are the way they're beautiful, we may look at it and say, oh, it's so dead and brown and blah, and you can tell that it's winter, but it's the care and the the thought that you put into it and the idea of what what are some things that i can do to care for that ecosystem what are some things that i can do to make sure that the plant comes back in a healthy strong way what are some you know those that is chi that you're putting forth in a mindful way to care for that space and it elevates it so that when spring does hit, it's like, you know, all those plants are going to burst up from the ground and like, I'm here, I'm ready. I've been loved on all winter, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So whether that's on an apartment balcony or a half acre, um, I think there's, there's really a difference in, um, the way you cultivate the energy around a garden space because it, it's a relationship that you have. It, it's literally a, a relationship that you have with mother nature and connecting to her and um, putting your hands in the dirt and, and caring for the energy around that space. And so the main thing is, is that I want people to uh, not go and tear everything up. And, oh, it's winter time. I got to you know, tear everything up and wait until spring. Um, you know, to, to look at it a lot more mindfully and, you know, be creative in ways uh, that you can make it. You know, I, I would say, I don't know how it is in Ohio. I would say in Nashville, it's pretty much like it looks like death outside from pretty <laughs> much December to February. <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that pretty a much good assessment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some things that you like to do, Ben, and those, um, death months. (laughs) when Everything is just kind of blah. It's like if you have bad vision and like your visions, like I can't see very well far away. I have to have glasses on and if I don't have my glasses on, it's just a sea of brown. (laughs) Like I can't decipher between the ground and the tree bark and the tree branches. It looks all the same. Um, But what are some things that uh, you can recommend that we can do to our garden spaces? Are there uh, maybe some plants that can withstand uh, those cold temps, or maybe there are some other things that we can do in our garden spaces that we can still give it that love and care, just as we do in spring, but maybe in a different way.
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I have a couple ideas here, and maybe what we could do is, if I think about the the energy perspective, is really interesting because I usually think of it, I guess, from a hedonistic perspective, right? <laughs> how to have beauty year round, right? And so maybe if we flip that a little bit and say how to have good energy or good chi uh, year round is, is an interesting thought. And so I have a few suggestions or ideas, and I'd love to come, kind of almost grill your brain
0: from okay, a chi, let's chi do it. perspective
1: <laughs> and, and see what you think about these suggestions, because to me, it, it would be really educational as well. So the first thought is plants. And, and this, of course, depends on whether you have a small patio or balcony or a half acre or more right and so this all depends on what plants you would use so if we if we stick to a very general perspective the first thing i think about is is if i think about energy or, or flow or um movement from a very um very basic perspective of not being a chi expert um i think of like grasses or things that are very wispy and, and finely textured and so I would think that it would be really cool to have some grasses in that space, some perennial grasses that you can have either potted or in the ground that you leave um, all year round. And so in the, in the late winter, when it's ready to burst back to life, you can cut your grasses back and I get, and thank them for, for pr- providing that beauty and that structural interest through the winter as well. I've grown to, just in the past couple of years, I've really grown to love grasses and, and the value they provide over the winter which is super cool to me and and so that's one suggestion I have is to just bring movement into the landscape that kind of draws the eye in and makes you even even if it's bitter cold outside maybe it makes you want to come outside and and to see the how the frost fractals look on the the tips of your your so-called dead grass
0: I love that I uh, so I've got four potted monkey grasses that I actually bought at I think I got them at Lowe's like five years ago and they started out in those little tiny I think they were like quarter gallon pots they were tiny and two of them are now ginormous they're in these big pots now and they're beautiful and it's funny because I don't want to say that I didn't think much of them when I bought them but the reason that I had bought them was I thought, oh, this will be good filler. And so they have gone from, oh, they would just be good filler to they're actually my favorite plants. I adore (laughs) them because they stay beautiful, wispy, and green. Everything you just mentioned year round. And it's funny because um, I go out there outside and my one big one that I have I keep repotting the damn thing it's a, it's <laughs> as big as I possibly can like I cannot repot it again because the pot is just getting too big but like I go out there and I'm I fluff it I run my fingers through it and I'm constantly preening it and pulling out all the dead stuff and and I fluff it and I'm constantly talking to it and I noticed the other day I went out and I uh was really preening it and I was really talking to it and I went out there this morning and it's already growing like 16 new shoots and I'm like no 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 you can't grow anymore but I've fallen in love with them because in the winter months it's my ivy and my monkey grass and then I also have a um uh, Japanese maple, um, but those three are the things that I have that are that stay. Well, the Japanese maple doesn't, but it, at least it's a coral maple, so the stalk, the the branches turn bright red okay. in the winter, which I love. But those monkey grasses have become my favorite because they're so green and fluffy and they stay like that year round. And I, you know, I, I always protect them when it gets really cold, I still wrap them, but those are the things that get me outside. I will bundle up and I will go and sit outside with them and talk to them while I have a cup of coffee. And it's because of those monkey grasses.
1: Okay. That's really interesting. Okay. So that was the one thought. And the other is uh, what a lot of people go to is evergreens, right? And so you mentioned ivy. That's one suggestion or one example of that. And um, a, a really common one that we see around uh, Southern Ohio here is arborvitae. And I just got back from Central Quebec and arborvitae are everywhere in, in Central Quebec. But I can imagine that when the whole region is covered in snow for four months straight, that those pops of green really carry the landscapes and carry the energy through those landscapes as well. So they can be overdone for sure. But if you add at least some sort of evergreen element to your landscape, uh, it does, you know, give that feeling of there's still life hanging on there and still present in your landscape.
0: Well, I think that's an important element to mention when we're talking about chi. One of the things that's so key about nature is the greenery. It's been scientifically proven that when our optical nerves see greenery, it we connect to nature. It, it revitalizes our chi. It makes us feel good because nature is indicative of health. So putting our feet in the grass, you know, touching a tree, seeing the greenery. And so that's where that seasonal disorder comes from is that when it's cloudy and there's no color, we're not getting that revitalization. So that's what I think can be so great is even if you live in an apartment, if you can have um, plants around the apartment, you know, you can do like a, a snake tree or snake grass, whatever it's called, or things that are really, really hardy, just so that you can get some greenery around you or maybe do, I'm starting to see a lot of the biophilia where the plants, they're doing like plant walls, which I think are spectacular Um, succulents, things like that. But I think anything that you can do, because that plant has a vitality to it and has a chi all of its own and That revitalizes you. And like I said, my monkey grasses, which I didn't think too much of, now they're my favorite. And they're the thing that get, you know, it could be 19 degrees outside, and those monkey grasses will get my butt outside in the dead of winter. (laughs) I'll be bundled up in my bathrobe and 16 other layers, but I will go outside just so I can talk to them and fluff them and, and be around them. And I think it's important because, from an energy standpoint, I actually feel bad for them. I don't want them to feel like I've abandoned them just because it's cold, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want them to be like, oh, well, it's winter. We're not going to see her for four months.
1: <laughs> That's so fun.
0: I, I think. um, evergreens are also a great way um because you know even things like junipers and and things that are bigger i mean junipers are something if they're trimmed well you can have those on a balcony or in a small patio and those stay green year-round which i think is a, a great way to add that vital force that life force to your space but i i don't want to forget you know Ben and I keep talking about plants and having growth right. and, and those type of things. And there's actually some other things that we can do. What are some of your other favorite things that you like to do, Ben?
1: Well, okay. Before we switch gears, I, because I love plants so much, I have to talk about just a few more if that's okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it.
1: Okay. So one of them I, I thought about with a small space, especially I have two plants, I guess, specifically one is I'm experimenting with this right now, but a Christmas fern, is traditionally a fern it's called a christmas fern because uh, early pioneers saw this fern growing in woodlands and it was the only thing that was green and so they would use it as a decoration during christmas time and so we're using it right now as uh, to frame our front door with uh these potted christmas ferns and so far they look beautiful they're starting off well and uh given your encouragement we've also named them
0: yay So my boys
1: came up with the very creative names of Fernie and Vern. So Fernie oh, and, Vern, creative. They're doing well. <laughs> and so that's well. <laughs> and so that's one, even though it's a, a, an experimental level for me, it is uh, commonly available at your, at, at least around here, uh, several local nurseries had it. Um, and also Wooly Thyme is another one.
0: Mm, that's a great one.
1: Right. It's beautiful in between pavers or if you have like a little like fairy style garden or whatever. It's such a beautiful little plant and um, it's aromatic. So, you you know, it it, uh, incentivizes you to try and interact with it, to touch it, to rub its leaves, to smell. Uh, It's, you know, it's uh, related to culinary time. I think it's the same species. It's just bred to be ornamental. And so um, wooly thyme is wonderful. We have it in our front landscape as well in between some paver stones and it's really done well. And um, it's something that does well in pots as well. So uh, two plants that I couldn't help but not mention since we're talking about small spaces and staying green all year. Those are two great ones as well. Yeah, okay. I love
0: those. And I love the idea. I, I want to reiterate what Ben was just saying about the idea of interacting. You know, I'm, I'm talking about how I fluff and talk to them, And, <laughs> you know, everybody knows how I am with my things, whether it's a plant or not. I name everything. But I think that, you know, that's a key point is to be interactive. That's everything is energy. So it doesn't matter if it's a rock, if it's a plant, if it's your house, it doesn't matter. Everything is energy. And so it matters the way that you interact with those things. And so what's really great about something like um, thyme or herbs or anything that is aromatic you know, that's a great way to interact with it because, like you said, like rosemary, you can break off a couple of uh, leaves from a rosemary plant and it's just delightful. And you know, you can sit there and, and rub it between your fingers and you can actually, you know, with the plant say, Oh my god, this you smell amazing. This is so beautiful, you're a, you're fantastic. And you know, your plant will grow better because it's so proud of you know how how you've made it feel. So I think interaction is a, a great way. It's a two-way street. It makes you feel good, but it's also great for the plant's energy as well.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of those uh, culinary herbs are so aromatic and and so easy to grow as well. So those are great examples.
0: Yeah. Basil, rosemary, thyme, those are all great ones. So definitely that's a great way. And you know, too, if you are in a small space or maybe you're not, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, I have a half acre and it looks dead <laughs> outside year round. One way to really get started, and I think Ben and I talked about this in the show earlier this year, is this idea of just growing herbs. You can do a little herb garden in your house, you know, maybe next to your kitchen sink or somewhere where you've got sunlight, and it's a great way to get started and and start, you know, um, interacting with your plants. But the aromatics of basil and rosemary and thyme and having those in your house, oh, it's just... just delightful. Every time I move my basil plant, I just, I'm like, oh my God, you smell delicious. I just want to <laughs> eat you. <laughs> so, you know, don't underestimate the power of having just simple herbs in your house. And, and it's a, a great way to start a relationship with nature as well. If you are listening to this today and going, I'm not a gardener. I don't have a green thumb. Those are good ones to start with because they're hardy.
1: Well, let me talk to that. And I, I, I want to get back to your question about what else besides plants, but especially this is a big thing for me is with that I talk about on my show is, is that feeling of of self judgment and, and really none of us should feel bad or feel like we can't do something outdoors because everybody has a brown thumb to start with. If, if, if people like to call it a brown thumb, but really what it means is just, you haven't, you haven't had the opportunity to really get that positive connection yet. And, and that's what it's all about, to me at least, is developing a positive connection with your outdoor space in a way that you can feel uh, connected with it and gratified by it as well. And, and so I guess for comparison, I like to talk about my yard too right now. So we've had a yard at this house. We've lived here for about seven years with a half acre. And just this past year, we've finally been able to just redesign our front entry landscape. And so I'm very happy with how our front entry landscape is. The rest of our yard, I'm still quite a bit dissatisfied with the level of maintenance we have with it. Although at the same time, I'm working to have uh, positive energy flowing to the rest of our yard to be happy with it. And so I'm thankful for the space we have the space our kids can interact with, and and the level of uh, um, education we can do through our yard. But at the same time, I'm somewhat dissatisfied with where it is. And it's okay to be there from a design standpoint, because it moves us forward to, to make it better. So if you feel like you're not, um, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is if you're feeling like you're not satisfied with your yard, or you're overwhelmed, or you don't know if you can do this, uh, as far as work with plants or grow plants, (laughs) I'm here to tell you, you can, it's possible. You don't need to feel overwhelmed and just take little by little. If it's a pot on your windowsill inside your house, that's a great place to start. If it's a little, uh, grouping of flowers outside your front mailbox, start somewhere and get that small win and be happy with it. Be thankful for that interaction you have. I'll I'll step off my soapbox now.
0: (laughs) Well, and I just want to add to what Ben was talking about with the idea of of judgment. I think that's such a great uh, point to bring up is, is not to be hard on yourself. And we've all been at the start, you know, whether it's in gardening or not, we've all been the beginner at something. And so, you know, lean on your experts, lean on your local nurseries. Oh my God, the local nurseries are always fantastic. And, you know, they usually have gardeners that have been doing it for 30 plus years and they have little tricks and tips that like will blow your mind. You'll, you'll say to them, wait, really? That works? (laughs) (laughs) But they've been there and they've done it. And I want to uh, talk to the idea. We were just talking about energy. And so you don't want to go into it with the the idea of being hard on yourself and being judgmental about yourself because that's the wrong energy of going into it. So same with you, Ben. This is a lesson for you as well. Yes,
1: I'm, I'm learning this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the danger of coming on Amanda's show. Yes,
0: this is the danger. Is you're going to get lectured is uh, you have to be very careful about what you deposit. You know, when, when you're emanating that chi, you're, you're basically like... Um, radio waves. So if you're, if you're walking around your half acre and saying, oh God, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. I'm not happy. You know, you're emanating that energy. And it's interesting. I just had Athena Demetrios on the show. Uh, she and I just recorded. She'll be on, um, I think in a couple of weeks. And she was she channels this Dr. Peebles guy And he was actually sharing with her in one of her channelings that, um, the biggest mistake that people make with their homes is that they don't care for the energy and they don't bless them and they don't make them sacred. And that's why they act out. Mm. And I find that interesting because I've been saying that for years and it's just, you know, like this intuitive knowing. And I was like, yes, validation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, somebody has validated on the other side, what I've been, what I've been trying to say. So it's more about just developing a relationship of, uh, you know, as you're walking your property or you're walking around your balcony going, hmm, you know, I'm not really sure that this is, <laughs> I'm not really sure I'm happy with this. And, you know, maybe interact with your home or your property and say, okay, I, I'm not totally pleased with this. You know, what do you suggest? You got some, you got some options. There's, there is a solution here and, you know, see if you can come up with something, but but try to shift the energy and, and not focus on the lack and and try to focus on, you know, um, the soon to come solution or benefit of, of how to change it. So because what you don't realize is when you're depositing that energy of frustration or it's not enough, or it's not quite where I want it, every time you step back into that energy, guess what you're stepping back into. It's not good enough. It's not pretty enough. It's it's that frustration energy again. So you want to try to shift that so that when you walk into that, you're like, oh, I've got the solution. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Make sense? (laughs) Yes, it does. Now I have
1: to, I have to go practice my homework now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You're going to be walking around your property. There's (laughs) a solution here. I know exactly what to do. And your neighbors are going to be like, Oh my God. (laughs) I thought Ben was weird, but now I know he's lost his mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do practice a motto that the problem is the solution, which is a a somewhat uh, a paradoxical statement, but it's, wherever there's an issue that there's some underlying solution there as well. So um, that doesn't sound completely foreign. So that's, that's great. I I will practice this and I will keep you posted, Amanda.
0: Yes, we will have you back on to (laughs) see if you did your homework. It reminds me of my, uh, I had the best English instructor when I was in high school. I was in AP English when I was in high school and her name was Mrs. Parker. And, you know, kids would be like, well, I don't, I don't know where my homework is. I don't know what happened to it. I just, you know, I just didn't get it done. And she would always look at us and say, it's somewhere. It's always somewhere. So that reminded me of, you know, the solution is always somewhere. <laughs> so we just have to focus on the positive. All right, so let's get back on topic. Uh, (laughs) What are some other things that we can do to our garden spaces, whether that's a balcony or a half-acre lot or four hundred acres? What are some things that we can do to bring life during old man winter?
1: Okay, so a few thoughts I had, and these are more questions for you to to kind of bounce off you and
0: flip it back to me. That's
1: right. Yeah. So I know that rocks are something that's really um, valued and treasured in Eastern traditions. And so I wonder if a strategic placement of rocks around our landscape could also be helpful um, for bringing winter interest in.
0: Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, if we want to get really weird, rocks have consciousness, you know, at some point, uh, uh, one time or another, we've all incarnated as a rock. I mean, if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what does. (laughs) But rocks have energy to them. You know, they were created from the earth and they have uh, solidified because of the time, um, you know, depending on what Part of the country you're from but it, it scientifically they've become rocks because of all of the evolution and so uh if you, whether you're talking about just an everyday rock you know i've seen a, a lot of um if you go to landscape companies they have those big massive you can do uh rocks like where you create walls or you know ornaments or anything like that but that definitely creates interest it creates energy in your garden and the other thing is is you can always look to minerals I have a lot of minerals in my garden. I have rose quartz in my garden. I have citrine in my garden. And those to me are a great way to not only bring in uh, color, but they bring in great energy. So combined with your, what you would consider your everyday rock, you can actually create a lot of interest, depth, and texture in your garden without plants. So that's a great place to start.
1: Okay. Um, And is there, so I usually think of rocks from a either structural functional standpoint or from just a general beauty standpoint. Is there something from a feng shui standpoint that you can do wrong with rocks or is it okay just as as long as it's appealing, it's, it's okay?
0: Yeah, I would always say that the first thing about something like that is how does it make you feel? Because if it's wonky in some way or you don't like where it is, that what we were just talking about with depositing chi, you know, if you're frustrated or you don't like it, you deposit that every time you see it. So that's going to definitely be a key factor. Now, as far as placing it somewhere and it's beautiful and it adds the depth and the texture, that's perfect. The other thing that rocks are really great for in feng shui is stability, because they're big and they're weighted. And uh, our when we look at the energy map of feng shui, our lots and our property. Have sectors to them. They have energy sectors to them. And so, depending on where you put, like let's say you have uh, a family that's trying to get pregnant and they can't. Well, you can put rocks in the back right corner of your property to create some stability. And uh, that area represents the woman's womb. So, if you were to put rocks there, that could help solidify being able to uh, increase fertility and getting pregnant. So that could be highly beneficial for someone who's listening today going, well, I don't have a green thumb, but I'm trying to get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So rocks can really add a lot of uh, beneficial energy. Uh, Maybe you're trying to find a job. Maybe you just got out of college and you're trying to land a job. And, um, you know, I remember after the 08 crash, one of the big problems was there was, you know, the, the market was getting flooded with graduates and they couldn't get jobs. It was very difficult to get a job because, Um, nobody was hiring and so these highly educated kids with PhDs were ending up at like places like Starbucks because it was the only place (laughs) that they could get a job and if they did get a job it wasn't guaranteed that they were going to keep a job so you could take rocks and places around your property uh, and that uh, area you could put them in the front of your house like along your walkway and and Things like moss or things that can actually grow in the wintertime, you can place those on the rock to not only stabilize your career, but then put something like uh, either ivy or ferns or something that uh, is robust in between it to stabilize the career and make it grow. So very literal.
1: Okay, very interesting. Interesting. Okay, so the the next thought I had was uh, I know in in warmer climates water is a wonderful example of the flow of energy Uh, and in the winter even when things are frozen i was wondering if even having uh, water type elements that capture water or when it thaws out can bring some birds in or whatever is that a a good way to also bring interest and positive chi into your winter landscape
0: Yeah, as long as you you know, depending on where you are, some people who have fountains they can't run them in the winter months. They have to be turned off uh, because the equipment will freeze. But if you are in an area like my girlfriend lives in Texas, she could run hers all damn day. I mean, they don't have those kind of uh, winter months, or even like out in Arizona. Um, water is a terrific element. Um, if you have a uh, like a bird bath, something that is stationary and doesn't move, you just want to make sure that that water is is changed frequently so that it doesn't become stagnant. So, right, right. if the water becomes stagnant, that can be literal in your life, and it can be indicative of a stagnant career or stagnant relationship or finances not moving. So you need to take care in it. But if it moves, that's fantastic because moving water creates moving chi, So it it tends to stir things up. And it's funny that you brought this up. I was just at a uh, client's appointment this morning. Um, She's hired me to help her with her office and things have really slowed down for her. And I asked her, you know, what have you changed recently? What has, has anything moved or changed? And she said, well, I haven't really done anything, but I did just take the fountain out of my office. And I said, interesting, where was the fountain? Well, based on uh, the energy map of Feng Shui, she had the fountain in career and she took it out. And her career has come to like a screeching halt because the moving water was taken out. So- That proves to me that when you have things that are flowing and things that are moving and you combine that with water, which, you know, water is all a part of nature, everything that we're talking about today and how important nature is to our own personal chi, water can be extremely healthy and helpful uh, and uh, it brings nature in, you know it will usually attract birds and, and other ecosystems like uh, insects and things like that. So it can be highly beneficial and it makes us feel good if it's moving water, everybody loves to sit next to a fountain because its it's serene and it, it, it's meditative for a lot of people
1: okay wow so that's interesting because i was suggesting more something like a bird bath or whatever but that's a risk from an energy standpoint because it can become stagnant or whatever
0: yeah if you don't care for it so my mom was the worst at this they had this (laughs) built-in bird bath in arizona it was literally like a little mini barbie pool that they had placed in their yard it was they like dug it out and it was like plastered like a mini pool and they had it even hard. I don't know what it's called. Um, There was actually a faucet that was tied into it. So all she had to do was turn on the faucet and fill up the pool. Well, she would always forget. She would forget to go out there. She would forget to fill it up. And then, you know, uh, crap would blow into it. And so, you know, it would go three, four, five weeks, and it hadn't been touched. And this was in her wealth corner. So I kept telling her, mom, you can't (laughs) do, you can't like ignore this because this is going to affect your finances and you know that's such a a surfacey thing we look at that and we say oh it's going to affect wealth but in that area of our property, it's, it's indicative of a lot of things. It's how we listen and hear with one another. It could cause head issues. It can cause health issues. Um, it could create uh, issues in um, our ears. So there's a lot of things that could pop up by not doing that one little tiny thing. And a lot of people don't tie in that this thing is what's causing this thing. It's, it's usually like, oh, this just came out of nowhere. And then I come in and I'm like, what, what's changed? What's going on over here? So yeah, a bird bath is fantastic because it invites life in and you get the movement with the birds and you get the movement with insects coming in. But the caveat is, is that you have to maintain it. You have to put in the energy of the love and the care of making sure that that water is clean and you're keeping it healthy. It's much like a um, a hummingbird feeder. Like I have a hummingbird feeder and you know, we've been getting up to 95 degrees here in Nashville. So I've got to make sure that I clean that hummingbird feeder out, even if they haven't drank all the the food, I've got to clean it out. um, Usually every four to five days, because if I don't, it starts getting gunked up and gross and I don't want them eating that. So it's me being mindful about making sure that I'm feeding my birds healthy, clean sugar water as opposed to grody, you know, molded (laughs) over sugar water. (laughs) So it's just about being mindful and and it's kind of a two-way street. You take care of it and it takes care of you.
1: Okay, very interesting. Okay. I had one other thought, which was uh, bringing wildlife into your landscape. And so I mentioned uh, echinacea early on is one of my favorite flowers because it's so low maintenance and it also provides year-round interest to me it is in the winter it's a structural element that has those beautiful uh, really dense dark seed heads especially when you plant it next to something that like a like a grass that's a bit lighter and wispy it really stands out as an architectural element and on the in addition to that it also invites in birds like the finches, uh, the um, goldfinches, and they love these plants because it provides a really important seed source, uh, energy source in the middle of winter when it's very hard for them to find anything. So what I was thinking is other elements like that, so other seed providing uh, plants, as well as potentially just bird feeders, and and how that can bring energy through wildlife into your landscape and also your own interest draw your eye outdoors to the landscape from indoors.
0: Yeah. And I think what's great about echinacea is you can take it a step further. If you've got uh, somebody who is an herbalist, you can take echinacea and um, use it as a tincture or salve. I mean, it has a lot of medicinal properties to it. So you can also look at your garden as um, something that provides health. So echinacea, St. John's wort, you know, these are things that are pretty common in our area that are things that you can harvest um, and have benefits to. And I should mention that the more that you care for the plants and the energy that you drive into them, if you turn them into a medicinal thing like that, that energy goes into it, which makes it that much more ben- beneficial.
1: Okay. Interesting. Yes. It's it's a well-known herbal plant that we've used as well, especially during cold season. So mm-hmm. it's a great plant.
0: Yeah. And I would add, you know, I think fire pits are great. You can buy, um, you can have one built in if you want to, but you can buy ones that uh, move around your yard that are, um, I've seen them at like Lowe's and Home Depot. So, and I think my parents may have one too, but you can buy portable ones, which is a great way to bring in um, color and a great way to bring in heat, which makes us feel good. Plus you can make s'mores, which are delicious, get you outside. (laughs) (laughs) A great way to interact with the family. And then, you know, I think anything that you can add to your garden as far as flags, windmills, um, not only things to bring in uh, wildlife, but things that bring in movement and stir chi up. A great story is... uh, Last year, I was having, or maybe it was the year before, I can't even remember when I wrote it, but I was having a meltdown over palm oil and what's happening to our rainforests. And lo and behold, I go to Costco and they had a sale on windmills. And so I put a windmill in my front yard, which is uh, at at that time, it was the area of getting things started and launching new projects. And I just haphazardly threw the thing up, you know. And you would think me being the energy person, I'd be totally mindful and paying attention, but I wasn't. I was putting it up because it was pretty. (laughs) And I had a meltdown in my kitchen over palm oil because I was getting so pissed off about what's happening to our rainforest, and it's all over greed. And the person in my life was like, well, then do something about it. And I was like, what am I going to do? Nobody's going to listen to me. And he was like, well, then you got to figure it out because there's a solution. And I was like, there's a solution. So I wrote (laughs) a book. And without me realizing it, I had placed that windmill in my front yard, which was in the dead of winter. I put it out there to stir things up and stir the chi up. And what it ultimately did is it stirred up me getting the book written and done and published in two weeks. So there you have it. (laughs) Very interesting. There you have it. That's what good chi will do for you. (laughs) Make you have a meltdown over palm oil. (laughs) So I think there's a lot of ways that we can uh, honor our gardens. I'm hoping that uh, listening to the show today of Ben and I bouncing some ideas off of some things that you can do, whether you have a little tiny space, maybe you have no space at all, but you've got a great south facing window. My hope is that we've encouraged you to get something started and to experiment and really Uh, reconnect with the energy of nature. And if you are fortunate enough to have a half acre, the goal is to go out there. And even if you're (laughs) staring at dirt to say that it's beautiful and amazing and you're working on it. Right, Ben? (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you for coming on today uh, or coming back on the show actually and helping us prepare for Old Man Winter. I, you know, even as an energy expert, I, I try to go into it being mindful about the things that I say and how I feel about it. And I have to catch myself because I get swept up in the emotion of oh, it's coming to an end, <laughs> you know, and just being sad because, you know, it, it's all coming to an end and, and that's okay. And our hope is, as Ben and I, before we got on the show today, our, our ultimate goal was that we are hoping that you walk away from this, not feeling like you're going to tear it apart and you're not going to visit it until next spring, but really go into it with a mindful heart, uh, and an open heart full of new ideas of what this space can really provide you uh, during some of the harshest months that we experience, depending on where you are. If you're in Arizona, don't listen. <laughs> it's just going to be warm for you. But um, for the rest of us who have seasons, um, it's not a time of mourning. It's a time of celebration. It's just all about your attitude. Right, Ben?
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, um, you know, this popped in. I know we're trying to wrap up here. So if you don't mind me putting in one more thought about this um, is I want to share uh, some insights from this this Dutch garden designer. And he's been real popular through the late 80s and 90s and, and up till now. And um, his name's Pete Aldolf and his last name's O-U-D-O-L-F if you want to look it up on YouTube. And um, so so basically this guy has started to embrace the the so-called uh boring times or dead times basically embracing the full life cycle of plants and and so designing for the beauty of winter and so he's taken these beautiful designs to where they look amazing through the winter as well so they have a, a attract just through texture and color variation um this they attract the eye to the landscape as well and then they look wonderful on those frosty mornings as well and so he's he's really designed some awesome stuff he's he's credited for the design of Lurie garden uh in the in the uh, millennium park in chicago as well as the highline in new york so if you guys want to check out some examples of this beautiful winter interest uh, those are great resources to look at so if you if you google pete aldolf or what I can do is I can provide a link um, as well if, if you'd like Amanda. to. Yeah, to... that would
0: be great because we can put that in the show notes so that people can just click on over and check it out because it sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's just a, a new, wonderful insight as far as a way to look at your garden. Instead of mourning uh, the time uh, of the year, you can look forward to it in a new angle.
0: Yes, I love it. And if people are interested in learning more about you or want to look you up, where can they find you?
1: Uh, the best would be, I, I provided a link in last show and we'll just stick with that. So easylivingyards.com slash home energy design. Uh, I have a page there with a bunch of resources from last show, uh, as well as uh, if you, I wanted to also provide the opportunity. If anybody has any questions, I've been trying to make myself as available as possible. So I put a button there where you can just click and reach me to ask a question. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is just through that link. And then I'll also try and provide you some information about Pete Adolf and his designs.
0: That would be great and I hope that everybody takes advantage of that because I have bugged Ben many times (laughs) on various gardening questions because I panic because I, you know, he's talking about don't be judgmental and I panic because I have no idea what I'm doing but I just jump in head first because I'm at the nursery and it's beautiful and I fall in love with it and, you know, we're having a conversation and we come home happy and joyful like we just got married and then it's like, oh my God, I'm killing it. So, Ben has been a a terrific resource for me in my panic of, how do I keep this alive? (laughs) Love and care, uh, or love and talking to does not always uh, solidify as good and healthy. So Ben is like the logical and I'm the woo. So <laughs> well, I,
1: can, I can certainly learn more woo, and I'm I'm trying to. So uh, thank you.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for saying yes to this Ben and coming on today. I'm I'm really uh, excited to hear back from our listeners about how they are going to uh, reevaluate their winter <laughs> gardens.
1: Well, thank you so much, Amanda. This is such an honor to me, and I'm I'm very thankful to be back here. So thank you
0: oh my goodness wasn't that such a great show i love having been on and we actually ended up uh talking for i don't know like a additional 30 minutes or so after the show And, you know, I would really encourage all of you to take him up on uh, just being able to answer questions. Like I said in the show, he's actually helped me quite a bit. Um, I tend to, like I said, fall head, you know, head over heels, head first into something because the nursery knows exactly uh, how to care for it and make it look beautiful. And then I bring it home and I'm talking to it and loving on it. But, you know, it does require water and food and a lot of things that I don't, Necessarily think of. Uh, I tend to live in the clouds. So, um, And I also want to mention we were, uh, Ben and I were talking after the show about this idea of animal spirits and he was saying that um, he's been binging on home energy design and listening to several of the shows and so he's naming everything and he's really been paying attention to this idea of the nature spirit and what that means and how spirit communicates, uh, you know, basically through the animals that are around us. This is a huge part of my practice. If you've worked with me, um, I have animal spirits come to me all the time and they're typically included uh, in the readings that I do. But uh, he was talking about how here lately his animal totem that's been coming to him is a hawk. And I was really surprised to hear that he hasn't been talking about that on his own show. He also has a podcast. So make sure uh, when you go over to his site that you check that out. Um, and you know, if you take him up on emailing him, make sure that you include in that email that you wanna hear more about his connections to his animal spirits. I'm trying to encourage him to go there and to get weird on his show and to embrace his woo. I think we're all, we all have a little bit of trepidation when it comes to sharing that sides of ourselves because we're fearful of being judged and we're fearful of, you know, oh my God, are they gonna think we're crazy? And you know what? They might, but that's perfectly okay. I was talking to the Gates team here in the office after I got done talking with Ben, and all of us agreed that we'd much rather hear about uh, the nature spirits and the woo side of gardening than just basic gardening uh, (laughs) tips and tricks, but we are a little biased, so I will throw that in there. So don't forget, uh, we will be coming up on our 100th episode, which is super exciting. And we will be celebrating that episode with Ruby Warrington. We're going to be talking about the taboo topic of being on all the time and how, as women, we tend to give, give, give and not really receive, receive, receive. So we'll be talking about that. But she's going to be giving away a fantastic book. It's called Material Girl, Mystical World. It's a fantastic book. I read it a couple of years ago, and it's a great introduction to all things woo. She talks about tarot and astrology and energy and just all the basic principles that we talk about on the show. But, you know, if you'd like to learn a little bit more, this is a great book, and she's going to be doing a giveaway. All you have to do is go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the show or that particular show when it comes out. Um, and let us, uh, you know, uh, subscribe to the show and just let us know that, um, you're doing it for the, uh, sweepstakes. I guess we could call it a sweepstakes. I don't know what it's called an offering. I don't know, whatever it is, the Ruby Warrington, uh, gift giveaway book thing. <laughs> that sounds technical, does it? All right, everyone, if you want more information on me, you can head on over to my website, interiorvibes.com. If you'd like to get a floor plan reading, you can find out more information there. And I should mention, we're now offering a uh, program called Fast Feng Shui. We have a, a luminary program that is four to five months long Uh, where we work with our clients over a a detailed period of time to really ensure that we get the energy right. But you know, if that's not for you, you can't afford it. You don't have that kind of time. We've introduced uh, over the summer, a program called fast feng shui, where I can hop on the phone with you for, you know, an hour to get you some quick answers. So be sure if that's something that you're interested in, you can find that on the website. And Hey, don't forget, you got to trust that vibe because the energy never lies.